Podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, daylight burners. Happy Monday. Hope the weekend treated you well. Uh, it was a pretty good weekend here. It's cooling off. Um, uh, what's that? Oh, gather that uh, rides pins for us now. My coworker, he uh, he said, um, Summer ain't dead, but it but his back's broke. Still hanging in there a little bit, but we've had uh yeah had had really nice weather. Um, went up to Tahoe with my lady. Uh, we had a <clears throat> we had our uh, ninth uh, wedding anniversary here earlier this week, so it was a fun little trip. And uh, yeah, we went kind of tootling around, went out to to brunch, and uh, and then just went on a drive, and it was fun. So. Anyway, I had a good weekend. Hope you guys did too. Um, I've been kind of following. I don't know. I know you guys have. Uh, if if you listen much, you've, you've noticed I've been kind of on a <laughs> on a football uh, gambling kind of kick, and um, and kind of following in those lines. Um, uh, Mackenzie Johnston, who who um, her shows on the on on my uh, feed here uh cattle news central and she's calling it was it Live- livestock digital daily uh now she's got her own going own thing going over there and uh but anyway she does uh pretty good work and uh so listen to it here on on burning daylight network or on her channels it don't matter go listen to it she does a good job but she's uh been reporting on this uh this cody easter day um ordeal up in Washington and uh, the guy that used to ride pins for me used to work for this Easter day outfit. And, uh, and it was a big, you know, it's a big uh, outfit up there in, uh, I guess it'd be like Eastern Washington um, and in the (laughs) Columbia basin, which I'm not exactly sure where that's at, but I I believe it's kind of like Southeast Washington, but Anyway, if you haven't heard, this guy has uh, just been convicted of uh, wire fraud and um, and has uh, is being sentenced to like eleven years in uh, in federal prison and ordered to pay um, restitution of two hundred and forty four million dollars. Um, <clears throat> and it is a wild story. Um, but before we delve into it, like, let me, let me get back to the gambling part of it. Like I, uh, NFL has been really fucking hard to gamble on here, here this season. I don't know what it is. Like it's like teams come out of nowhere. It's the NFL, you know, and, um, Jacksonville who's been on a roll here lately. Uh, are they a good team? It was starting to kind of look like it. And they were playing the Texans. Who's a dog shit team. They were Oh, two and one going in this game. 
And uh, did I pick uh, Jacksonville to win straight up? Yes, I did, but I put it in a parlay. Uh, and it was uh, it was a $5 bet that was going to pay out at like 25 26 bucks, something like that. It was a pretty good bet. And every single team on that parlay hit except for fucking Jacksonville. And son of a bitch. And in my case, it's a $5 bet. It's not a big deal. I put in a hundred, a uh, hundred bucks at the beginning of the season and I'm still kind of hanging in there. Uh, I think I'm down about 50. So <clears throat> week five, um, so I might be able to make it out to, to week 10 um, if if things progress the way they are. And and it's just kind of fun. It, it makes uh, makes the games a little more interesting. And um, and it's at the end of the day, it's a hundred bucks that uh, that I put in. Um, when you talk about like gambling, uh, I, I can understand how people get really, um, really sucked into it. Um and I, I know people and I've worked with people that'll will spend uh, like I remember in Kansas there was guys that uh payday would go just get piles of those like scratch off lotto tickets. And uh <clears throat> I, I just that that one I n- never made sense to me. Um and then at the same time I've seen here in Nevada where casinos are fucking everywhere. I've seen guys that'll uh, sit, you know, every paycheck go right down to the casino and either on the slots or, or go to the tables, whatever it is. And uh, just, you know, I was, uh, I was in Carson city the other day waiting on, uh, <coughs> um, no, I took the took my wife's vehicle in to get something done, and I went to the casino while I was waiting for for them to finish up. And uh, yeah, there was some. It was like a Tuesday morning, or like early afternoon, like not not your like prime time gambling hours uh, by any means. Uh, Monday, maybe it was a Monday. Yeah, it was a Monday. Um, and this chick was at the blackjack table and so was I. So, I mean, no, I'm, I'm not thinking any, any more highly of myself because it's Monday, um, late morning, early afternoon in that time frame, And we're both sitting down at Bodine's, uh, casino uh, at the blackjack table and doing our thing. And, um, the difference with her and me is I had a hundred dollars on the table and she had uh 4,500. Uh, and wow. And she's playing like four different hands or three different hands, I guess is, is what, what she was playing. And, um, yeah. And, and betting a couple hundo every, every single hand and, uh, and she was winning and, uh, it's uh his crazy crazy deal gambling, and I kind of enjoy it, but I, I do very small stakes um, because I could see how somebody get drawn into that, and uh, yeah, like I said, I know guys that send spend an entire paycheck, and, and sometimes it, it pays off, um, and they gamble till it's time to come work, and uh, yeah, sometimes they're they're a lot wealthier than they were, and most of the times they're not. Uh, that's how how gambling goes. Um, but this one, this uh, this story that that uh, this Easter egg uh, saga, it, it's it it's all there's a gambling uh, addiction for sure. That's a big part of it. Um, 
but you look at the circumstances that that uh, led up to it, and it's just. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm gonna read uh, an article from, I believe, um, some sort of vegetarian, uh, vegan. Um, I don't know. I, I would say to be some sort of an activist. Um, very left wing, it appears to be, but uh, overall wrote a really really good article on on this story and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna use a reference it quite a little bit um but also uh dtn um did did some good reporting on it and and like i said um uh mckenzie has done a lot of a lot of reporting on this and uh and and so i've uh yeah, that, that's uh it's a pretty big story and uh and one that I've got a lot of mixed feelings on, because as you know, I'm I never one to uh, take a hard line uh, stance on, on something without knowing all the facts. And then the, the more you look into something, uh, you get to see that man, there's a it's a it's a complicated story. Um, so anyway, um, Cody Easterday was uh, I don't know what his exact title was, but it was a it was a family family run. Uh, operation up there in Washington and uh, Easter Day Farms uh, and Easter Day Ranches or Easter Day Ranch <laughs> and uh, it's a fourth, it was a fourth generation outfit um, and uh, this article I'm going to um, that I'm referencing I'll, I've got I've got several of them up here but um, so this guy that, that wrote it, his name is Lee Vander Vu um, from what I can tell, he's, uh, I don't know exactly how you, uh, describe him if he's like a freelance, um, type of reporter or, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not real sure what you would, uh, would call him, but, uh, activist reporter, um, yeah, so, something along, along the lines, um, uh, but Lee Vander Vu, um, strange name. Seems like probably kind of a strange fella. Um, but who who am I to judge? You know, we'll uh, we'll take him at his reporting, and uh, and it seems to be pretty pretty decent. Um, there there's some definite definite bias in there. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's uh it's subtle and uh and then more than anything there's some kind of laughable um in my opinion uh no offense to this guy just typical uh lefty uh lefty speak you know uh, i think at one point he he uses latinx unironically um so that's fun um but anyway this article's called uh betting the ranch and and it starts off with um <coughs> kind of the day of uh so it was is this Cody Easter day is the guy that got just got sentenced convicted and sentenced to uh to federal prison but it starts off with the the story of his dad get uh Gail Easter day um drove head on and uh look I I I couldn't ever find the like the the off ramp that they're talking about, but apparently it's kind of a weird, weird off ramp, but he, he went the wrong way and, uh, and slammed head on into one of his own, um, like produce trucks. I think it was like an, uh, it was an onion truck or something. Um, 
didn't hurt his driver. Um, that driver um, went across four lanes of uh, interstate traffic, uh, got T-boned by another semi, and then some debris hit a couple other people. And luckily, nobody outside of uh, Gail Easterday was hurt. Um, from what I understand, Gail Easterday was... Uh, <coughs> um, yeah, he kind of exploded like a balloon and um, not not a not a pretty deal. And um, I guess it was about the same day that uh, that his son had confessed to this big scheme where he defrauded uh, Tyson Family Foods or Tyson Foods, whatever their official name is. But, you know, Tyson, one of the big packers. Um, defrauded them of over $260 million over a quarter of a billion dollars. This dude, um, managed to get away, uh, from Tyson and it sounds really salacious. And then the more you dig into it and it's just, it's really kind of sad because, um, while he, he made off with a bunch of money, um, it wasn't so much that, uh, he was just, uh, like partying it up um, more than anything he'd got involved in futures trading and um, got a little too cute. It sounded like, and um, lost his fucking ass. And um, we'll, uh, we'll get into it, but it's a really, really, really interesting story. Um, so, <clears throat> How how it all kind of started was that it goes back to like the late eighties, and um, this is uh, I might as well leave that up there. Uh, it was um, kind of one of the the early day, you know, kind I guess kind of the early days of. Um, Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. You ever wanted to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for for podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh so no matter what uh your setup was like, you can uh start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um and also, if you want to take your conversations to, uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer, answer and polls are the best way to get them talking. You can attach that to your, your podcast there, and, and you, get your, you get you know valuable interactions with your, fan, your fans. And uh, <clears throat> with Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. And that's, uh, that, that is true. Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to do a testimonial here. Um, 
but anyways, this is the the podcast I use or the podcast uh, host that I use. I like Spotify. They're uh, they're very good on just letting you do your thing uh, with uh, with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify, and, and this is uh, this is a great way to get started if you if you have ever thought about starting a podcast. This is where I would send anybody to go. Um, <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for Podcasters app, or you can go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And yeah, if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast, or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify Podcasters is your spot. So uh, go to Spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. Like when the, when the packing industry really really started to to reconsolidate like it did um, back in the early days of of the the U.S. packing industry, which um, <clears throat> I've been I've been on a tear on on kind of the the formations of the, the labor movement, and I've been um, doing a lot of research on um, you know like coal miners and stuff, um, but I'm gonna have to to get a little bit more into um the the meat packing side of it um but anyway they they started off um with this uh kind of a, a sweetheart deal with Tyson Foods and um it sounds very familiar to me because uh it sounds very similar to the kind of kind of program um set up that Cactus Feeders had and <laughs> I uh I can't recall if I I'm sure I, I signed some sort of um NDA, but um that this stuff is fairly fairly public knowledge at this point, so I don't know how much uh, trouble I could ever get into. But it, it sounds very similar to a setup that they had where uh Tyson fronted the the money for a certain type of cattle to fit this program that, that Tyson had. And, and in particular, they, they exported um, some beef to Japan, um, which has very stringent uh, export uh, regulations and requirements. And, uh, but also has a huge uh, beef market. So it's, uh, it's been one of the, like the more sought after <coughs> um, export markets to to get into that in the EU. EU is uh, also a huge uh, beef market, but very hard to get into. And I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe we we export anything to the EU at the moment. Um, and for a while, we weren't exporting anything to China or to Japan uh, either. And then in the Trump years, that has that has changed some. And um, so, but going back to to the eighties and I don't know what the, <clears throat> the export markets were like at the, at the time, uh, politically anyways, um, it's, it's never so much about the, the actual economics of it. It's, it's far more about the politics behind the, the markets than, than it is the actual market itself. Because when it, when it comes down to the market, um, the Japanese, like I, a grain finished, uh, um, well marbled piece of, of uh, 
beef, which they have uh, some over there. Um, but being an island nation, they they only have so much room. They only have so much cattle, and they've got a huge population. Uh, can you know compare? Considering the size of the the landmass, they've got a, a large population, um, with like huge urban centers like Tokyo. So um, they import a lot of stuff um, just just by due to the fact that they're an island, but also due to a you know a, a pretty big population. And <clears throat> yeah, so it, it's a uh, it's a very lucrative market. And I don't know what it was like uh, back in the the late '80s, early '90s, when when this uh, Cody Easterday really kind of he he came on at like 18 years old, um, real go getter, I guess. Just like uh, they they said, he was kind of the embodiment of hustle. Just he was always uh, always finding a way to uh, to expand, get bigger, get better, um, make him make money here, um, be more efficient there. Just uh, just a real entrepreneur and um he he enters into this deal with Tyson where they they front him the money to to go and and buy these uh these cattle that they they want that's going to fit their program in particular they like I said they they exported some uh, quite a little bit to Japan and <clears throat> uh Japan's also big on source and age verified um so um then he would raise these cattle and feed them out uh, according to their, you know, their, how they want them. And um, they'd sell them uh, back to, uh, to Tyson where uh, upon the, you know, the final closeout, um, he would pay back what, uh, what they fronted him uh, with uh, like, a, it was like a 4% interest. And um, he either ate the loss or he got to keep all the profit. And it was a pretty good deal when when he was making money, um, not so much so when he was losing money. But it wasn't so much the deal with uh, with Tyson that really fucked him. It was the it was the commodities market and uh, the futures market. So he was trading his own cattle and and cattle that he did not have um, that actually just didn't exist. Um, sometimes there were cattle he didn't have that they, they actually existed on, on the hoof. Uh, but more often than not, they were, they were cattle that just didn't exist. He was, uh, either projecting or more, more often than not, it was just, uh, or however you, he, uh, he went on to rationalize. It was, it was just to, to cover his ass to, to try to hold on for another day. And it was uh, your typical Ponzi scheme. Uh, as long as, um, the money keeps getting pumped in. You can, you can pay, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul until there's no more Peter, you know, um, when, when there's a lack of Peter, uh, Paul gets sad because they didn't get paid because of the lack of Peter. Um, you know, no new Peter is a bad thing for a Ponzi scheme. Um, and, you know, I, I guess you know if you're you're in the business, you know how the the futures market works uh, probably better than I do. That was one the one area of uh, of my ag business degree that <clears throat> I really wish I would have paid more attention and actually um, soaked it in. But also at the same time, uh, the more I learn about it and the way the more like 
I guess how I analyze analyze it with my weird brain, the more I realized how how it truly is just like gambling, and it's uh it's it's betting the spread on a football game. So like I'm a big Bronco fan, and and I would like to bet them straight up to win every game. I would like to, but that um I know I know that's not going to pay off. Um, you know. When the Broncos are good, they're good. So you can win money. Um, you know, you're on a 16 game season. You could, uh, you could almost, you know, almost uh, every year, nine to twelve wins. You could, you could bank on that. They were, they were that good. They were always, always had a winning uh, record. They were, they were always uh, in playoff contention or in the playoffs. Um, and a lot of time making um, pretty deep runs into the playoffs. Um, they were they're a good football team uh, when they're good. Um, so you could you know most years uh, you you know just saying if it, if it's a straight bet um, you know to to win to win straight up uh, regardless of what the payout is. But like you would win a majority of, of, of that season. Uh, you you would have a winning record because the Broncos had a winning record, but then, you know, when the quarterback retires and they're in a kind of a weird phase and they don't know exactly what this team's going to be, they don't really know who the quarterback's going to be. You still want to bet on them because you love the Broncos or at least, at least I do, but I, like, I don't want to lose money on them because, um, they may not go uh, eight and eight this year. Now they have a seventeen game season, so they they might, you know, not. There's a good chance they won't even make a five hundred record unless they have a a tie in there somewhere. Um, so I don't know if I want to just bet them to win straight up. So, um, that's when you go to the the lines and see what's the spread. All right, so they are a. Three and a half point underdog. That means if they, if you take the Broncos with the points and you say it's going to be, they're going to lose, but it's probably going to be a good close game and uh, it's going to come down to a field goal and the spread's three and a half. You're like, I'll take the Broncos. Uh, they they can cover. They're not going to, they're not going to lose by, by four points. It's going to be a field goal game. I'll take that. That's, kind of like your your futures contract you know you lock your cattle in at a certain price uh, on the futures market and even if the the cash price uh, drops when you sell your cattle um you got that contract locked in and uh you know at a certain price and so even though you didn't make as much money as you could have you didn't lose all that much money because you hedged them out right and um (laughs) it's the same thing as betting the spread and uh so now like the more the more i uh i like to dabble in uh in sports betting and and the more i look back on on how much i i uh missed out on the the commodities market uh the more i'm kind of relieved at the same time like i wish i knew it better but at the same time it's like man that seems like a game that you can get sucked into and it's all it's all tied into this like really fucked up uh, system of banking that we have here in the, in the U S it's all based on you being in debt. And um, the less I, I really wanted to, to know enough about it to like really step my foot into. So like, I'm more of a, 
like a hard hard currency like um a more of like a cash uh a negotiated cash person so like you know we we can haggle it out or you go to the sale barn and people bid on your cattle and uh, you know that that's that's the price because that's what the people that that were buying the cattle said on that day and you know because they you saw the bids and and that's how that worked there was no so no uh contract with a whole bunch of uh hitches and giddy ups and uh what you know what have you um it's it's a straight up auction you know and just uh who's got the money who wants them and and uh are are your cattle good enough to bring the money or the people not like them you know and, and you know there's always going to be like these uh you know these theories behind the scenes that and a lot of times it's true that you know some big buyer came in and just blew everybody out of the water right off the, the get-go and then was able to to dictate uh, a lower price on on the rest of the day um, but everybody knew that he had big money and, uh, and you could not bid. So they didn't even try. <laughs> and so you have, you have shit like that. Um, but it, it's, it's a really, it's a true way to know like, uh, what the market is and what your, whatever it is you're selling is worth. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you have the, you have the op- option of buying them if the price is right. And it's like, yeah, I ain't, that ain't, that ain't, ain't, any, I don't have the money for it or they don't, they don't fit my, my, my program, whatever it is, like it, the money ain't right. Then you just don't bid on it. Um, where you get into these contracts and it ties you in and, uh, and that's, that's kind of how this, this Easter day deal goes. Um, it's, uh, it starts off as a good deal and then you try to like, well, maybe it'll sweeten the pot a little bit because, uh, say I lost my ass last year because, uh, feed prices were up, <clears throat> you know, maybe, uh, maybe you didn't, um, you didn't breed back as well. Um, you know, you're, you had a whole bunch of opens and, uh, you know, you made a little bit of money, uh, selling the coals, but <clears throat> you really took a hit on that, that calf crop and, um, all things, you know, you, you lost your ass. They're like, all right, maybe I'm gonna, gonna put a little insurance on this. And, uh, and so you hedge them out and Hey, that worked out pretty good. And then you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I'm not only gonna hedge them at this point, but I'm also going to hedge another set at this. And, um, well, and then the market really takes a hit or the market really goes up and you're just like, Oh shit. I, uh, you know, and as with the price of cattle goes up, it seems like the price of everything else goes up. I mean, that when, when cattleman's having a good year, um, you know, shit's usually pretty expensive too. It seems like, um, but regardless, say, say you, uh, hedge them at a, at a lower, lower price. And then the market jumps up all of a sudden and well, shit, you, you, uh, you don't maybe don't lose your ass, but you didn't, you didn't make near as much as you could have. And, um, yeah. So either way, you, uh, one, one thing happens, one thing leads to another. And, uh, <clears throat> let's see, he, um, I'll put this back up here once I find the, the spot, but, uh, he, he was, uh, he was losing like tens of millions of dollars. All right. So, um, 
Over the fiscal year ending in 2020, Easter Day Ranch's gross revenues had declined by almost half from the previous year, from $111 million to $65 million. Uh, and the ranch's investments had been wiped out entirely. Uh, the farm was similarly failing. So he had the, the, the ranch's side, which was the, it was a, a, a feeding and, and beef operation. And then they had, uh, like potatoes, onions, and, uh, whatever else it is that they farm up in, in the Columbia basin. <clears throat> and they had about, um, it was like 22, almost 20, like 22,500 acres. Um, and about half of it was irrigated. Uh, pretty big, pretty big outfit. Um, uh, the farm was similarly failing with gross revenues falling from 82 million to 52 million and interest on uh, investments diving even as the stock market was booming. So, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, this is 2020. So in uh, fiscal year ending in 2020. So that had been, um, you know, into September. So that's the the market was starting to come back as uh, you know, like Florida had opened up and and all these states were. Um, the pandemic really fucked a lot of cattle producers. A lot of cattle producers, a lot of a lot of feeders. Um, wasn't so so much a deal for the big feeders. Uh, but it was for, for like the independent guys. And then, uh, guys like, uh, Easter day who, even though, uh, he had a really, really close, um, uh, you know, relationship with, uh, with Tyson, they, <coughs> when, when they, uh, when their production slowed and, uh, and those, those plants weren't operating at full speed and it caused a huge backlog in, uh, in the cattle processing that really hits a guy like, uh, like Easter day in the pants where he's, he's running on the margin. Everything is, uh, is tied in with the markets, uh, not just cattle futures, but grain futures, which, uh, you try to lock in your corn at a certain price. So, um, so you can maybe, uh, maybe weather at the, the storm, get your feed prices lower, and, and have set yourself up for a better year. So then, you, so you're gambling on two different games at the same time. And, but those are parlays, you know, they're not just uh, standalone bets. You're not just betting on the grain market and betting on the cattle market. You're parlaying them together. So they both have to hit for that to pay out. And, you know, so like that, but that turns that $5 into $25. Like I was telling you with that Jacksonville bet, you know, so that one, when you'd have been like cattle, hog futures, uh, soybeans, uh, corn, probably throw some wheat in there and, uh, and an oil <clears throat> oil. Cause why the fuck not? <clears throat> uh, and if they all hit fuck, yeah, we are eating prime rib tonight. God damn. Yeah. And if not, you're just like, fuck, 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 fuck. Except, uh, it's not just the $5 that I bet on it. It's like, Oh, well, I needed that one to hit. So I didn't like, so, so I, my account's not empty. Um, but back in the old days, you wouldn't just like be on a, on a website like I do where, um, you know, once, once it hits zero, then I'm like, well, shit. Um, well, I've got to go buy some Bitcoin because it's, because Nevada's stupid and they want you to go to the casino and, and bet at their, at their book, which is fine. I have no problem with it, but I don't, I don't go to town to, to the sports book uh, hardly ever. I don't actually, I don't know if I've ever actually put a put a bet down at a at a physical sports book. 
Um, it's always been online betting. So anyway, but Nevada doesn't doesn't do online betting unless you go straight through the casino. And it's a whole process that I haven't gone through and I don't want to um, necessarily. So um, this deal is set up like in the, the Cayman Islands or the Bahamas or something like that offshore where it's all legal. But that that throws a flag with your bank account because it's uh, an overseas account. So I just buy Bitcoin, do a Bitcoin transfer and uh, and there we go. Um, but I don't have like a bookie like saying, hi, yeah, I'll float you another thousand. Um, you know, but you got interest and it's due on Friday, whatever. And if not, we're going to break your fucking kneecaps. It's not like that. And, um, yeah, I'm not like at the, at the casino sports book and, uh, getting into some shady shit there. It's just like, fuck. All right. Well, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll buy back in next week. Maybe I won't. I don't know. And, um, and then you look at the schedule and you're like, ah, these are dog shit games. Maybe I'll just sit out uh, betting this week. When they're like, oh, but then the UFC. And so we're like, well, it, it's the same thing with uh, the futures market. And it just, <clears throat> it seems absurd that that is how the basis of like the, the ag, the whole ag um, market complex is set up is all based off of uh a physical product um and then like hedging it by just gambling just just wholesale like sanctioned gambling um but we don't call it gambling we call it trading <sighs> trading commodities and uh yeah ah said so crazy deal so um Coronavirus slowdowns at meat packers surely accounted for some of the loss. Cattle were hard to sell in 2020 while plants sputtered. Labor was scarce and supply chains shifted from restaurants to grocery stores. But a longstanding problem was also threatening the businesses. For years, Cody Easterday had been piling up staggering debts, gambling on the future price of beef to cover his losses. He invented whole herds of cattle on paper, then sold them to Tyson while pretending to raise them on the ranch. In November, after a Tyson worker came to take stock of the herd, Easter Day confessed the phony invoicing for the cattle that didn't exist and feed for the non-existent animals. So not only was he uh, was he uh, having them front the money, he was also charging them for the feed that he didn't actually feed out. And um, yeah, one uh, particularly eye-catching invoice charged $5.3 million for eight Lots of cattle that couldn't be found anywhere other than on paper. 5.3 million. Um, <coughs> let's see. Uh, so I'm going to read a little bit of this because, I, like I said, I think he did uh, He did a pretty good job of... Uh, not just like straight reporting like what happened on the, the, on the legal side of things, but uh, like painting a picture of how, how it happened and tying in on, on how the, the, the market is set up, how the industry works. And um, for a, uh, for what appears to be a, uh, a plant-based type of person on the left wing, I thought he did a pretty, pretty damn good job. So I, I'll, uh, I'll I'll put a link to this article in there as well. You can let me know what you thought, but I thought he did a really, really solid job of, uh, of telling this story. So, um, 
said to understand how the Easter days unraveled in the system. First, you have to get, have to know the system, how the, I know that the system is rigged and that the rancher is to be a gambler, at least in a business sense, because the market for beef is more about enriching corporations than paying ranchers a fair share. Primary challenge is that 73% of the beef in the U.S. is controlled by four corporations. That's it. Despite the array of colorly packaged, colorfully packaged this and that at, uh, in the grocery store, the corporations either create or acquire the brands that give consumers a fairly anemic range of choice. The meat inside might come from different farms, raised in different ways or varying quality, but at the end of the day, it is bought, packaged, and shipped uh, by the same few actors. Because of their market heft, these corporations increasingly influence how the products are made and the prices paid to ranchers to, to make them. Tyson is among the, the market heavyweights, along with JBS Cargill, Cargill and Marfrig. (coughs) Ranchers have long complained about the low ball prices from these companies. Nationwide data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture shows that they have reason to. Profits for ranchers have trended slimmer almost every year since the late 1980s when those prices were first tracked. Uh, By 2020, the same year, the Easter Day Empire began to crumble. A rancher's share of the value of boxed beef shipped to retailers was 37.3% down, nearly 27% since 2015 when it was at 51.5%. This while the consumer price of beef soared higher than ever. So we all know that whole that whole story. That's um that's kind of the it's like the siren song of the of the ranch producer, like it's uh, or the, the cattle producer. It's just like that's always the case. And um I hope it's not always going to be the case, but it sure seems to be. Um anyway, for for US uh US producers. So um there's there's a spot here um okay so when he entered into his most recent contract with Tyson in 2014, the corporation offered him, offered him a deal that's increasingly common. Tyson agreed from to front Easter Day the cash to buy wean calves and to feed them and to buy the cattle uh, back from Easter Day at market rates. When they were grown, uh, Tyson would pay premiums for beef quality and discounts for deficiencies. Um, but while that uh, might seem like a sound arrangement, one with clear expectations and guarantees. It isn't. That's because once the cattle were grown, Easter Day had to repay the Tyson the money the company had loaned him by, uh, to buy and feed them, plus he owed 4% interest on that money. And because no one knows what the market price of beef will be in some months, he never knew whether he would break even. So while the deal brought millions in cash from uh, Tyson to Easter Day ranches in the short term, it could also send that money and sometimes more back again. The price of beef was good. Uh, Easter Day pocketed the difference. If the price was bad, he was stuck for the loss. So as I said, this guy does a pretty good job of uh, summing up the, the story behind it. 
this practice is called formula contracting. It's a type of forward contract or a contract that sets the prices, sets prices in the future. It's not always a ruinous position to be in, but it is risky when contracting with a company like Tyson because Tyson's market have can drive up the price of cattle, can drive the price of cattle down by eliminating cash competition. Tyson points out the upsides, steady incomes, reliable markets, and easier access to bank loans. There's no disputing that the uh, formula contracting uh, depresses the price of a steer. By spring of 2020, formula contracting ballooned to 70% of the market for cattle, more than double what it was 15 years earlier. Uh, There's a picture of uh, Cody Easterday there. Um. Um. Da, 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 um. He he does a good job of going into the kind of the background of uh, of Easter Day and um and how they were pretty well respected within the community. Actually, like generally, really well respected from what I understand. They treated their employees pretty good. It sounded like. Um. So. Um. <laughs> Ranchers can manage the financial precarity of raising beef, such as uh, as such a middleman. But to do it well is to oh, here we go. Cody Cody yesterday must have faced colossal pressure in addition to employing workers who depended on the farm and ranch. The Easter Days had hundreds of accounts, hundreds of accounts around town for fuel, for machinery, for fertilizer, and things like hay. Uh, and those corrugated corrugated metal shops where Gail Easterday spent his last day running errands. He was on a first name basis with the owners of the local enterprises there. After four generations of success, his credit and Cody's credit too, uh, it was their name. Ranchers can manage the financial precarity of raising beef as such a middleman, but to do it well is to treat it more like buying insurance than a night at the poker table. And the rancher needs two things. One is an awful lot of cattle and the other is a stockbroker. So this is how it works. Ranchers with more than 50,000 pounds of living, breathing, snorting mammal can go to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the agrarian equivalent of the New York Stock Exchange, and buy what's called a futures contract. It's a paper trade. That's all uh, a place to trade bets with investors who are wagering on the future price of beef. Uh, with the help of a stockbroker, ranchers can carefully wager their can carefully wager against their cattle to make a little uh, extra profit, just in case the market price doesn't go their way. Um, where did it say? Um, okay, so this is uh. For ranchers that remain in business, raising beef uh, is an enterprise of scale and scale and scale and futures trading. But for them, there's another potential snag. While future trades on the price of beef can earn big, they are extremely risky when they angle into gambling. This is the territory that Cody Easterday found himself in on a first name basis with at least one stockbroker. Easter Day's first uh, recorded big loss was in 2011 when courts uh, records show he lost almost 14 million. He lost another 17 million in 2020 or 2012. That's 31 million in two years. Um, the following year, another tw- another 10 million, and then another 20 million. So 31 million, 41 million, 61 million. 
Uh, then he won in 2015 a haul of nearly seven million turned his luck, but victory is brief. In 2016, he lost another six million that year with losses piled high and cash undoubtedly short. Easter Day told employees to submit fake invoices to Tyson. Uh, a, cr- a criminal investigation found billing for cattle he never bought and feed for those imaginary animals. He then then he used the cash to pay down his debts and bet some more. It worked, sort of. Tyson paid the tab, and Easter Day used uh, Tyson's money to pay down his trading debts, but Easter Day quickly lost another $18 million, so he invoiced Tyson for more cattle and more feed he didn't have. Uh, then he bet again, losing $58 million in 2018. So they just, like, keep getting bigger. Uh, for the next two years, he was in a nasty, nasty cycle, billing Tyson for imaginary cattle, then paying down the losses and trading again. Some of the fake invoices included pin numbers, the animal's gender, even a financial analysis of their prospects in the market. Each sought millions of dollars for thousands of head of cattle. Hundreds of thousands of uh, them were never real. By the time Tyson began to suspect the fraud in November 2020, Easter Day had lost more than $200 million in the futures market. Uh, when confronted by a Tyson worker and next a trio of corporate honchos, he told him uh, he told them all he had screwed up and pissed it all pissed it away on the mark. He disputed their he had been stealing, calling the phony invoices forward billing instead. Like I was going to have them. I just didn't have them yet. Um, yeah, it's uh, like just think of the, the sheer numbers of that. I mean, 58 million in 2018 alone. And uh, all told, they uh, I think they're he he is uh, he's been convicted and sentenced and uh but they they're like pushing back the i i guess like the the monetary damages that he has to that he has to pay um and and it's all have has to it all all like hinges on how much uh comes of the bank bankruptcy deal but a funny, funny little story about how all this shit um, affects. I mean, like, I don't know if there's ever been um, quite a case like this. I mean, that there's the John Armour book that, uh, you know, I had him on the podcast here a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and um, and that story of the the cattle wrestling deal and that, you know, that's a big, big deal. Um, but that, that was like a quarter the size maybe of, of what the, the Easter day deal was. Um, and, and and the hell of it is, uh, when it comes down to this bankruptcy deal, it just, uh, all that, that the court decided not to, to break up the, you know, the assets and that sell it all as, as one bulk deal. And it sold for like 209 million. And so who in who in God's name has 209 million to buy that? Well, uh Bill Gates and uh the Mormon Church <laughs> is uh were the two people that bid on it and the Mormons won out. So um you know, I guess in that in that scenario, 
Uh, I'm not sure how much I like the Mormon church. I know plenty of Mormons that I get along with them just fine. I don't know. I, I don't know if I like the Mormon church any more than I like the Southern Baptist convention or the, or the Catholic church. Um, but I, I think I would, I think they're, they at least have some sort of doctrine that, that, uh, that that stands behind them or at least that they lean on and uh, bill gates i don't think does so i'll take the mormons over bill gates uh 10 times out of 10 uh on that scenario so um but also it's just like man it's just like feudal lords just coming in and swiping up more 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 and more property um and uh, and you're like your average family farm, uh, farm and ranch just continues to go by the wayside. And um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I would like to talk to this Cody Easterday one time. Um, you know, might be hard to do considering his uh, he's in prison now. Um, he's been out on, on uh, kind of hall pass type deals a couple times, but. I wonder if he would ever sit down for an interview, but because I, I, I would like to hear like his side of the story, and, and like what were what were the big grand plans? I like there. I um I forget what which article it was in, so I'm not going to pull it up. But there was like in one of these these uh, articles I read, they there was a report of like there was private uh, private jet and a, and a private hangar and stuff. So like. Like maybe they were balling a little bit, but also like were were they what was it just like trying to play the game and try to outplay the big boys and like just trying to come away with a little little bit a little bit more than you did last year and then you just like you got you you fell into their game hard and you didn't have <sighs> when when they don't bluff, you know, they, they don't bluff. They've got the money to back it up. And so when, when your bluff doesn't take, Oh boy, that hurts. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, you don't get to buy back in now. Like <laughs> you're, you're done. You got them for a little bit, but boy, it did, it didn't cover and just continue to not cover. And then the more, like the bigger the debts are, the bigger the bets you you have to make to try to make it pay off. And the next thing you know, you're like betting on, you know, high school girls uh, basketball in you know Maine or some shit like that. And you're just trying to, and you're betting big time money on it, and you don't have a fucking clue what you're doing. And you, but you just got to cover cover that debt because uh, otherwise the bookie's coming to break your knees. And other, and, you know, in this case, it's Tyson bringing down the power of the federal government on your ass. So, um, and and you think the uh, the federal government's gonna gonna throw you a bone? Fuck no! Tyson's gonna make a they're they're gonna make an example out of you. Uh, show show these peasants what happens when you stand up against them. You know, uh, you know, fuck fuck your little outfit. You know, like you're you gonna you gonna try to get one over on us? He he, he lost two hundred million, two hundred and sixty some million. You you think they're just gonna let that slide? Fuck no! They're gonna make a you know they're gonna make an example out of that dude, and uh, you know and you know, metaphorically, they're going to put his head on a pike outside of town and they're just going to let, or they're going you know, to leave him hanging there after, after they hang him, they're just going to leave him there to let people know what happens. It's uh it's one of the older tricks in the book. Um, it's just a little more, 
sophisticated way of doing it now where they, uh, you, you don't really hear, uh, any reporting of this in anywhere except um, strictly ag-related um, publications. And so the only people that hear about it are the people that need to pay the most attention. And so it's it's like a shot across the bow to, to every kind of independent rancher, just like, hey, don't, don't try to get cute here. Just know your fucking role and do your job. Uh, don't try to, don't try to get cute. Thing, things are good when uh, when you play by our rules, but uh, you try to you try to get outside that, and uh, yeah, that's what happens. So it's one of those, and I can't say can't say the guy was uh, he was obviously uh, at the end of the day he was wrong. He, he stole a shitload of money that wasn't his. Um, I can somewhat kind of see how he got there, but yeah, at the end of the day, there's not really much defending that, but. I don't think it's quite as cut and dried of a story as a guy being greedy. So yeah, anybody who's got some sort of contact, uh, if you by chance do, I I would love to talk to that guy sometime and see, see what the hell, like how how did that all, how, how did it start? How did it go South? Like what was the the initial deal where, where you're making those big bets and then, then having to make bigger bets because you're losing your fucking ass. Like, did you just not know what you're doing or, what was the circumstance was it, you know, like, I don't know. Cause it, you know, it was like, did, did your, your kicker break his leg right before the game? And then you lost, you know, your backup kicker missed three extra points and that's what cost you the game. Uh, is, is it shit like that? You know, like one off stuff or is it like, no, you just made the wrong fucking bet. And, uh, you know, is, is it one of those where like you, uh, you sucked or was it one of those God hates you type moments? Like that's where the, the kicker breaks his leg, you know, and the, and, and the backup misses that that's, that's where the, the God hates you moments or, or is it, you know, you just like made it, made a stupid fucking bet and like what, what led to all of it? And, uh, or was it just like a whole shit gumbo of all of it? I, I, I wonder, I just like, man, and how many, how many ranchers and farmers are in that same, same fucking scenario? But on, I mean, not, not to the level where they're writing fake invoices, but where they're like, you know, like any sort of dip or huge change in the market and they're fucked, you know, like there's plenty of you guys out there like that. And, uh, man, I don't know what you do. Like it's, it's, uh, it's kind of how the, the system is right now and it, and it sucks. And there, there's, there's certain ways to get out of it on a smaller scale, but man, like if you're, if you're, if you're running several hundred head of cattle, like there's not many ways around it like that. You gotta, gotta play their game or <clears throat> there's just not much, much others, uh, choice. And so, I mean, it's always kind of a hats off to, to the guys that, that reach out, uh, and, you know, and try to do something on their own. But then you see, like, um, I was talking with Jen here a while back with, uh, um, with sustainable beef and, you know, then you have Walmart buying a big, uh, you know, a large minority share uh, of that deal. And you're like, well, shit. I mean, I guess you had to expect it at some point, but like, is nothing sacred <laughs> dude is there is there nothing and, and there's like well fuck uh 
Maybe, maybe Easter Day would have uh, had the money, but he would have had to write a write a couple more pins and fake numbers to to Bill Tyson, so he could uh, he could have fronted the money to invest in this this uh, type of deal. And um, outside of that, you know, like I guess Bill Gates, you're gonna go go, uh, you know, make a pitch to Bill Gates to invest in this deal because. Uh, you know, it's better for the American producer when he's trying to get everybody to eat bugs and fake, uh, you know, lab grown meat. Um, like where, where does the money come from if not Walmart? And so he's like, fuck man, you know, $400 million is a lot of fucking money. That's, uh, that it takes to, to build that, that processing plant. And you could, you could take all the wealth of every single, you know, independent rancher in in the United States that's got more than 50 head of cattle and I don't know if they could come up you know like if you force them to like come up with 400 uh, million dollars to build this plant and and still be able to make their their uh, their outfit work I guarantee you that that couldn't work they, they couldn't make it work it just they, they they wouldn't be able to pencil it through on their outfit and so where, where does that money come from? Except for places like Walmart and, uh, just, yeah, he's, he's making a deal with the devil. Probably. Was there any other choice? And not many good ones that I can see. And, um, so I, I like, <laughs> there's gotta be some way to, to like break out of this you know, cycle. I mean, yeah. A recession will, will help. It's, I mean, it's not a recession's never good, but if uh, if a recession's bad for for your individual person, it's it's pretty shitty for a bank too. And uh, I don't know. I I don't know. There's uh, but then when when you look at the when all the dust settles from from this impending uh, recession, and, and I don't know if, if there's any going to be any sort of collapse. Uh, I hope not. Um, but when, when the dust settles, you'll just see more and more consolidation. You'll, you'll have, you know, groups like BlackRock buying all the, the rental homes in, uh, in the major urban, uh, areas. And then you'll have people like the, the Mormon church and Bill Gates and, and other groups like BlackRock buying up all the farm ground and, and, Pretty soon it'll just be it'll be like in Western Kansas where uh, American Implement is the John Deere dealer, and they <coughs> not only do they sell all the tractors and shit to to all the farmers around, they they own a bunch of ground, and then um, they're owned by John Deere, and or uh, they're you know affiliated with John Deere. So then they they have the mechanics that can work on your your new John Deere equipment, and um, you know, because if if you work on it yourself, you know, then it avoids the warranty and shit and all that. And then, yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole racket. It's uh, it's all a fucking racket. But um, how how that uh, how did that change? I don't I don't know. I don't know if I have a good solution. But I I thought this was a really interesting story, and I haven't heard much of a of an in depth um. Uh, synopsis synopsis of it yet and I don't know how in-depth this is but it's it's more in-depth than than I had, I've heard from um, from most of the kind of ag outlets that I that I follow so um, 
I would I would highly recommend reading this uh, piece. It's on thecounter.org. I don't know anything else about this site. I don't I, just a little bit of uh, research I've done on the author. He seems to be kind of a, a vegetarian slash vegan um, hippie lefty, but he wrote a really good piece. Um, very well, well thought out. Um, very nuanced. And um, so, and, and for once you've got a lefty um, kind of, if not directly taken up the cause for, for the independent ranchers, at least uh, um, shining uh, or showing this, this Cody Easterday in like the most generous possible light that he could. And I think that, so anyway, I, I, I appreciated his take on it and I thought it was a good, well-written piece. So I'll, I'll put that in the, in the show notes. Um, so if you want to read it, check it out. And, um, anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, hope everybody has a good week. Um, everybody's, uh, getting busy with fall works and it's, uh, it's that time of year. So it's cooling off at least. And I uh, hope y'all are getting some moisture while, when you need it and not when you don't. And, um, stay safe out there. I know it's, uh, everybody's kind of running their ass off right now, but it'll, uh, it'll slow down soon enough. And, um, if not, we've always got a nuclear war to look forward to. Um, and, um, yeah. And if you're going to just celebrate the, the downfall of it all, you might as well do it by supporting this show patreon.com slash burning daylight or you can buy this play or you can subscribe for the paid episodes on spotify as well uh spotify if you listen to it there and you don't even if you don't sign up for the paid episodes if you listen to it on spotify i get paid more money on the ad reads so um head over to spotify i like them uh, it's a, it's a good platform and it's all video on there, uh, video or audio, uh, depending on if your screen is locked or not. Uh, it's a cool deal. Anyways, uh, that's the best way to support the show. Patreon.com slash burning daylight or sign up on Spotify. Um, you'll get some bonus content. You'll get the, you get the everything a little bit early, except for the live streams. Those are, I can't really double live stream. So either way, uh, fence post politics, um, it's about the only episodes uh, or, or the bull session. Those are about the only episodes that you don't get early, um, but you typically get bonus content on those. So anyway, uh, starting at five bucks a month. So um, that's how you, the how you could help the show um, and tell a friend if you would share the stuff around. Um, yeah. I would like to make a little bit of money at it. So if you could do that, that would help me out. And um, on that note, don't let your butt crack and uh, move your ass. We're burning daylight. than I do I can't fade that kind of action but my name's there on the list who would go to Vegas with a 
game in town like this Stuck in Chile Yeah. 